All right, let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to be together, to learn from your word, to learn how to lead our hearts, Lord. We pray that uh, we would be seeking to learn to lead our hearts. We would realize how necessary it is and that you would make us effective in that. We thank you for your grace and amen. All right, so today we're doing part five of our series called How to Lead Your Heart. Um, Today we're going to talk about habit number three, because in this series we're going over a number of habits that are necessary for learning how to lead your heart. And uh, today's title is Resisting Bad Desires and Emotions. So uh, before we get into that, um, a reminder of you know, what the series is about. This series is an attempt to make a foundationally comprehensive training course in how to lead your heart. And... Um, you know, for the purposes of this series, I define heart as the part of you that has beliefs, desires, intentions, and emotions. Um, a lot of people, you know, kind of just let their desires and emotions and whatever thoughts they have just lead them, and they just think that that's normal, and that's not what the Christian is supposed to do. Um, we are supposed to learn to lead our hearts. Let's look at Proverbs 4, verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So that's kind of our key verse, our guiding verse for the series. Um, and in this series, there's a number of habits. There's five habits I want to outline that I think if a person has these five habits, they'll be generally effective at learning to lead their heart and being able to lead their heart. So the first one we looked at, um, number one, having a habit um, of having an attitude of responsibility and intentionality about leading your heart. Habit number two, being able to discern and judge what's in your heart. Um, and today we're going to look at habit number three, resisting bad desires and emotions. So my premise for this sermon is that in order to be a person who leads your heart, who leads your beliefs, your desires, your intentions and emotions, you have to have developed the habit of resisting bad desires and emotions. And so by bad, I don't just mean morally bad. Uh, any desire or emotion that would be morally bad is, of course, something you should resist. But in that, I would also include um, desires and emotions that are simply unwise or unhelpful or not in touch with reality. And I also want to be clear about what I say when I mean resist. I'm not talking about getting rid of the unhelpful desires and emotions. We'll get to that on habit four. Um, heart change takes time. When you're trying to overcome bad desires and emotions, they don't just go away right away. That almost never happens. But in the meantime, you can't just let them run your life. You have to resist them. Um, so I'm, when I say resist, I mean realizing that they're wrong or that they're unhelpful and fighting to not let them influence you or your choices in the meantime. So that's what I mean by resisting. So in order to be a person who leads your heart effectively, you have to develop the habit of resisting bad desires and emotions. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. 
Um, so what does resisting bad desires look like? I'm just, for an example, we're going to use, um, you know, desire to be lustful. If I have a desire to be lustful, I might not be able to make that desire go away right away. Uh, it's probably going to take some time before I have significant heart change. Like, if a person has a, a problem with pornography, it doesn't just go away right away. It usually takes time. Um, but in the meantime, they're going to have to resist that desire. They're going to have to choose to not watch porn even though they want to. And, you know, that idea applies to anything, any desire we commonly struggle with for something that we shouldn't desire. Uh, usually, you know, heart change takes time, but in the meantime, we have to resist. We have to fight to not let those desires influence our choices. I also want to, you know, think about what this looks like in terms of resisting bad emotions or unhelpful emotions or out-of-touch-with-reality emotions. Uh, you know, sometimes we have fears that are unreasonable. That's a very common struggle to have um, emotions that are bad in or that fit the definition I gave for what I mean by bad. Unhelpful, unwise, or out-of-touch-with-reality. If I have a fear that I know is unreasonable, it might be a while before I can get it to go away, but in the meanwhile, I'm going to fight against letting it influence me. We have to you know, resist fears that are unreasonable even if we can't just make them go away. I might have a fear that if I share the gospel with a certain friend of mine, they won't want to be friends with me anymore. That's a very real fear. That's a fear I've had a lot, actually. Um, it's also probably unreasonable. That's probably an exaggerated idea and not likely to happen. So I know that that fear is unreasonable, but that doesn't make it go away. It's still there. Um, and I might not be able to make it go away in the moment that I'm struggling with it, but I can at a minimum choose to not let it affect my choices. That's resistance. That's what we're talking about in this sermon. We need to learn to resist bad desires and emotions. So unreasonable fears is something we should resist. We might not be able to make them go away in the moment, but we need to fight to not the, let them influence our decisions. I'm not going to let a fear like that keep me from sharing the gospel with my friend, even though I'm afraid they won't want to be friends with me anymore. Just to give one more example of like resisting um, bad emotions or unwise emotions, uh, I want to talk about rejection a little bit. Like if I feel like God doesn't care about me, that's an emotion I've struggled with a lot, and it's not based in truth. But if I feel like God doesn't care about me and he's just mad at me all the time, then I'm going to remind myself that that's not true, but reminding myself that isn't going to make it go away, typically. It typically just doesn't make the feeling go away. But it helps me to choose to act on the truth that God does indeed love me. I might not feel it, but I'm going to live like it. I'm going to still choose to pray. If I gave in and I chose to just believe, 
You know, God, I feel like God doesn't love me, means he probably doesn't. Why should I pray? Why should he care? He's not going to listen. But I'm going to choose to pray anyways, because I'm, I'm resisting those feelings, those wrong feelings. You know, I'm going to choose to worship. If I let my feelings that God doesn't care influence me, if I let them affect my decisions, I might choose to not worship. You know, God's awesome, but he's scary, and he probably doesn't like me, so let's just avoid him. You know, that would be my attitude if I just let those feelings influence my decisions. I'm going to choose to thank him. If I just let my feelings that, you know, if God doesn't care and is just mad at me all the time, if I just let them influence my decisions, I won't be thankful. I'll choose to, uh, to not thank God. But as part of resisting those feelings in the meantime, before the heart change really happens, uh, I'm going to choose to be thankful. I'm going to choose to act like God cares about me even though I don't feel it. That's what resistance is. That can apply to, you know, illogical feelings we have on the human level. If I start to feel like Teresa doesn't care much about me, but I suspect that that feeling's not based in reality, and trust me, it wouldn't be. <laughs> Teresa cares a lot. Uh, I'm not going to just avoid her or accuse her of not caring about me. I might continue to feel like she doesn't, but I'm not going to act on that. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to fight to not let it influence my thinking or my decisions even though doing so won't make it go away. Again, next week we're going to talk about work we can put in consistently to over time experience heart change so that the desires we have that we don't want and the emotions that we have that we don't want, that they actually be changed. But it's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen overnight. And in the meantime, you have to be able to resist them. You know, sometimes uh, you have a person who rebukes you, and you might feel because they rebuke you that they don't care. Um, that's happened to me before. You have to choose to not act on that feeling. You have to choose to believe, you know, people, a person who actually cares about me would rebuke me. And I shouldn't just avoid this person or accuse them of not caring about me just because they rebuked me, even if I feel like doing that. So let's talk about what happens if you don't try to resist um, unwise or incorrect uh, desires and emotions. Uh, there's two consequences that I want to look at that what happens if we don't try to resist them. Number one, they're much less likely to change. So like if I have a fear and every time it comes up, I just give in to it, I'm just reinforcing the idea that it's worth being afraid of. Your actions affect your heart a lot. If there's something you, you don't particularly desire, but you start to do it every day, it's very likely that eventually you might start to desire it. That's how it is with working out. 
You know, most people don't like working out when they start. But if you do it often enough, it's common for people to start to desire to do it. And that can happen for good things and for bad things. So, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't resist and you just give in every time, you're just reinforcing it in your own mind and in your own heart. You're making it stronger. So if I'm afraid of public speaking and I never resist that fear, then I'm much less likely to get over it. If I respond to fear of public speaking by avoiding public speaking, I'm just reinforcing the idea that it's too scary and too risky. And I'll never, odds are, I'll never get past it. Not resisting bad desires and emotions makes it much less likely that they'll change. You know, the same is true for feelings of rejection. If I have, you know, feelings that other people dislike me more than they actually do, and I just act on those feelings all the time, I act like they're true, I make choices as if they're true, I'm reinforcing that belief, and it's going to get stronger. Your actions affect your emotions a lot. Whatever you act like is true, you'll start to feel like is true sooner or later. You know, the same can be said for desires or addictions. If I'm addicted to something and I don't resist any of my desires for it, I'm just strengthening those desires. Nobody gets addicted to something without doing it at least once. Have you ever thought about that? Because giving into that thing reinforces it. So I'm going to repeat this a lot, but it's the main idea of this sermon. And heart change is going to take time, but in the meantime, we have to have it in our minds, in our hearts, commitment to resist bad desires and emotions until they change. The second consequence that we'll run into if we don't try to resist bad thoughts, bad desires and emotions is that we're going to make bad decisions. I'll use the example of fear. So before I was asked to join the preaching team, I actually had it in my mind and in my heart that if I was asked to join, I was going to decline um, because I was that afraid of public speaking. (laughs) I'm totally serious about that. I I remember it, and I just made up my mind beforehand. I'm just going to tell them this is a bad idea. (laughs) And that fear did not just go away. Like I didn't just one day, oh, that's an illogical fear. Never mind, I'll join. That's not how that went. The fear did not just go away. I was actually very, very afraid for days before the first time I ever had to preach. Um, So that fear didn't just go away. I had to resist it. I had to choose to not let it influence my choices. And if I, I wouldn't have resisted it, then I would have just given up and never started preaching. And it's, it's been a real blessing in my life to be able to preach and to overcome the fear of public speaking. Yep. 
Thank you. Another example of how, um, you know, failure to resist or to try to resist bad desires and emotions uh, will lead you to make bad decisions uh, is rejection. Like if we have issues with rejection and we don't try to resist them, if we have strong feelings of rejection and we don't try to resist them. When Teresa and I were engaged, I was actually really struggling with feelings of rejection. And that led me to feel like she didn't really care much about the relationship. Um, and resisting those feelings didn't make them go away. But if I didn't fight against letting them influence my choices, I would have broken off the engagement. And looking back, that's clear that that would have been a terrible decision. <laughs> but I see so many people who, um, who have emotional struggles or struggles with a bad desire, and they don't fight to resist them. Like, it might not go away today, it might not go away as soon as you want, but that doesn't mean you should do nothing about it. You have to learn to resist them. If you don't resist them, it makes them much less likely to change, and you're going to make bad decisions. That would have been a terrible decision if I would have, you know, decided to not marry Teresa just because I had feelings of insecurity and rejection. And again, with desires, if we don't, if we have bad desires and we don't learn to resist them, even though that might not change them, we're going to make bad decisions. I'll use addiction as an example. Um, you know, resisting desires for things you're addicted to won't make those desires just go away. But if you don't resist them, your addiction will just take over your life. If you're addicted to gambling and you plan on waiting for the desire to just go away, but you don't actually plan on resisting the desire to fight it from influencing your choices, then you're going to make bad decisions. You're going to lose a lot of money that you don't have to lose. So we, we have to learn to resist. We can't just give in in the meanwhile while we're waiting and working towards God's, God changing our hearts. I want to give, um, hopefully, a few tips on how to resist a bit more effectively. Um, you know, resisting can be a real pain. If you have a strong desire or emotion that you think is unhelpful or unwise, or wrong, or out of touch with reality, and it's a strong desire or a strong emotion, it can be really difficult to resist. Um, so here's some tips that hopefully will help. Let's start with desires. Effectively resisting bad desires. So I've got three tips that hopefully are helpful. Um, these things help me at least somewhat. I try to not oversell anything that I encourage people to do. <laughs> All right, so number one for ref effectively resisting bad desires. Make a list of reasons why it's not worth doing, why that desire is not worth giving into. 
So I really like the idea of lists. You may have noticed by looking at my PowerPoints that I really like lists. I use them for almost everything. The reason I like lists, especially for like making a list of reasons why a certain desire isn't worth giving into, is because uh, lists have a power that comes from the idea being built up again and again and again. So if I'm dealing with lack of motivation to work, and I remind myself of one reason why I should work, then that might help a little. That might give me a little bit of motivation. But if I make a list of 10 reasons why it'd be beneficial for me to get my work done, and then I remind myself of all 10 of them in a row, it starts to have a build-up effect. You know, one might not be enough to make a difference, but 10 will often make at least somewhat of a difference. Motivating yourself can be hard, but... Having a list of reasons that you write out and read to yourself when trying to resist a desire or emotion can be very helpful because lists have a build-up effect. So I'll try to give an example. I forgot to make a slide for this, but oh well. Um, so I, sometimes at work, I have a strong desire to scroll sh social media instead of working on my tasks. And, um, and I need to resist that desire. It doesn't just go away on its own. Uh, it comes back most days. Tick-tock. But I might write a list that goes something like this. Number one, I would get much more work done if I stayed focused. Number two, whether or not I'm a good worker can influence my boss and coworkers' view of Christians and therefore how they view Christ. Number three, if at some point I need a break, taking a few minutes to pace is a healthier break and is less likely to turn into 20 minutes. Number four, if I keep using social media while trying to work, there's a, a good chance that I'll just grow addicted to social media and my attention span will get even worse. So one of those reasons by itself might not give me much motivation to like not waste time at work. But reading all four of them in a row tends to build up this idea or a feeling, this isn't worth doing. And it might not be enough to make that desire go away, but it'll give you a bit more umph, a bit more motivation to be able to fight it. It's helpful in being able to resist it in the meantime. You know, um, when I'm working with guys and helping them overcome, uh, you know, habits of lustfulness, uh, there's typically a list of three reasons that I'll give them for why disobeying God is never worth it. And it's helpful to think about all three in a row. Number one, obedience is always pleasing to God, and that alone should make it worth it. You know, that's nice to think about, but that doesn't always give us motivation. But then number two, God always rewards our obedience, and he always makes it worth it. And just in case that isn't enough, to add a third one, obedience now makes it easier to obey in the future, typically. So it kind of has a compounding effect. 
But when you think about all three of those at once, it has a buildup effect. It has a synergy. It starts to hit you. Oh, yeah, obeying God is pretty important. I should do it. So when it comes to resisting desires, I think making lists of reasons, writing them and reading them of why it's not worth doing, I think that's helpful. It's helped me. I would encourage you to try it. Second thing um, helps us to resist bad desires. Use the scriptures. Let's look at uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. But Jesus said to him, um, well, no, and Satan said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. Behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. So Jesus used the scriptures to fight against temptation. And that is our pattern. I don't think we should exclusively use the scriptures. I think it's also useful to, you know, make lists of consequences that will happen of if we give in. But we definitely need to use the scriptures. Like, you should, when you're making lists of reasons to not give in to a bad desire, you should include any relevant scriptures you can think of. So thank God we have modern technology, and this is actually really easy. Um, it's very easy to come up with lists of verses on a topic you need verses on. There's like three ways that I, I do it. Number one, use Google. So there's tons of good lists for almost any topic you can think of. There's also some not so good lists. But um, there's tons of lists on the internet for almost any topic you can think of, of Bible verses about it. Or that are somewhat related to it. I think it's helpful to make your own lists. I wouldn't just use other people's lists. Because uh, when you make your own instead, it's more personalized and it builds your memory. And some of the lists on the internet have verses and you're like, why did someone think this verse had anything to do with this topic? But uh, <laughs> that's why I like to just make my own lists. But then first I go to Google and I steal ideas from other people's. That's what I would encourage you to do. Um, yes. 
<laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, so Google can be very helpful. It's helpful to have lists of verses that are relevant for the desire you're struggling with. You can also use the word search on Bible Gateway. You can look up any passage based on what words are in it, and that's pretty helpful. But either way, I would encourage you to keep a list of relevant scriptures on topics that you face or struggle with in your day-to-day life. The third thing um, that I, is helpful when it comes to resisting bad desires is avoiding the opportunity to, to give in. Let's look at Proverbs 5, verses 1 through 13. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline, how my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. So, um, you know, he's war- Solomon is warning his sons against the temptation to commit adultery. Uh, and in his warning, you know, if there's a woman you know and you're tempted to commit adultery with her, don't go near her house. Just stay away. Just stay away. It's not worth it. If there's a desire that, you know, you struggle with, part of how you can resist it effectively is just avoid the opportunity to give in. If you have problems giving into a certain temptation, one of the things you can do to fight that is to make it harder or more inconvenient to give into that temptation. I don't keep Oreos in the cabinet anymore. <laughs> I avoid the opportunity to give into that temptation. If I want a cookie, I have to get one at a restaurant. It's inconvenient, so I don't do it very often. Yep. So avoiding the opportunity to give in can be a, a helpful way to resist bad desires. All right, uh, now hopefully uh, some tips for resisting bad emotions or emotions that are unhelpful or that aren't in touch with reality. We all have various emotions that aren't in touch with reality. 
Um, so the first tip I would give, kind of similar to how you would resist desires that are bad, uh, make a list of reasons why you shouldn't entrust the emotions that you think aren't in touch with reality. So I'll, I'll give some examples. So I, I've had fear of public speaking for a long time. Um, and you know, a list of reasons that I could use to tell myself that my fears are out of touch with reality is, um, you know, I guess I would start with number one, it won't really be that bad if I mess up. We all tend to have fear of public speaking and we tend to have fear of, oh, if I make a mistake, it'll just be the end of the world. People are gonna hate me. I'm sure you all are hiding tomatoes in your pockets, <laughs> waiting to throw at me. But that's, that's really not likely. But it, it can be helpful, again, to have a list of reasons why my fears aren't likely to be reasonable, because lists have buildup effects. And uh, sometimes it can be helpful to make subpoints for those lists. Like I would tell myself, it won't really be that bad if I mess up. But I tell myself that, and I, I really don't believe it, kind of. I still feel like it would be that bad if I messed up. So I'll make subpoints for that. You know, people will still be friends with me if I make a mistake while preaching or while public speaking. And then I'll make a second subpoint. No one's going to dislike me as a person over it. And then I start to think about those ideas. Hmm, I guess that sounds reasonable. I, I can't really imagine my friends would start to dislike me as a person because I made a mistake while public speaking. But, you know, making lists like this helps you think it through better. And I think it can be helpful. It, it might not make your emotions go away, you know, it might not make fears go away, but it can help you to resist easier. It can help you to resist more effectively. Last week we talked about shame and how one of the ways shame can be a problem is if we have generalized shame. But if I struggle with generalized shame, I would make a list of reasons why that's unreasonable to have generalized shame. That list would be like, I'm made in God's image, number one. Number two, God is perfecting me and he won't quit. I will be perfected and made glorious as the, um, you know, the complete, reflection of God's image and of his nature. And number three, God makes me capable of serving others and adding value to their lives. One of those by itself might not be enough to uh, really help me resist generalized shame, but all three of them together help me to see, oh yeah, generalized shame is unreasonable. I should resist it. So, you know, make lists of reasons why you shouldn't entrust the emotions that you suspect are out of touch with reality. And use scriptures where relevant. You know, if I feel like God doesn't care about me, that's, um, you know, a feeling I should suspect is out of touch with reality. But I should use the scriptures to fight against it. Another thing I kind of find helpful when dealing with emotions that I suspect are out of touch with reality is making a list of the consequences that might come from allowing those feelings to control my decisions. You know, um, I still struggle with rejection somewhat, but back when I was struggling with a lot, this helped me uh, with that. Like I would make a list of consequences that would come from letting it control how I act. 
If I just start to believe that all my friends don't actually care about me, then I'll treat them unfairly. Like that's a consequence of letting that decision, that feeling affect my choices. If I let that feeling affect my choices, it'll also, you know, rob me of my joy because it'll get stronger. And if if I let that feeling affect my choices, it'll put a damper on my relationships. Um, but sometimes it can be helpful to make a list of consequences that might come from letting um, those feelings control your decisions. That can provide motivation to not give in to them. And the third thing um, with emotions that may be out of touch with reality, with resisting them that can be helpful, is just resolving in your mind to not let them influence your choices. This is really the most important because um, with resisting bad desires and emotions, the key idea is that they're still going to be there because they don't just go away right away. So you really just need to make up in your mind that you're not going to let them influence your choices. You're not going to let them influence how you act. And God will empower you for that. Um, I didn't put it in this outline anywhere, but it's actually at the bottom of your outlines in your bulletin. 1 Corinthians 10.13, God will not allow you to be tempted or tried beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you're able to endure it. Resistance is a real pain, but God makes it so that we're able to endure it. And we need to just have it resolved in our minds that if we have feelings that we struggle with that are out of touch with reality or that are unhelpful or bad, that we're not going to let them influence our decisions. And one of the things that God gives us for that, you know, in in all areas of the Christian life, they require effort, but they require supernaturally empowered effort. And we get supernatural empowerment from the scriptures and from God's spirit. All areas of the Christian life require effort, but they require supernaturally empowered effort. So since we're doing a series on heart change, the last thing I want to talk about, which I've said it already, but I want to say it again, because I don't want to give the sense that heart change is just going to happen immediately. Like next week, we're going to start talking about practical things you can do so that your um, you know, beliefs, desires, intentions, and emotions start to change for the better. Next week, we're going to start talking about practical things for that to happen. But before we do that, I just want everyone to know it's not going to happen immediately. It's going to take time. So heart change takes time. You know, if, if I struggle with an addiction, it's not just going to go away right away. I'm not just going to read a verse in the Bible and be like, oh, that's bad. Watching porn is bad. Alcoholism is bad. You know what? I don't want it anymore. That might happen sometimes, but usually it doesn't. Usually bad desires and emotions don't just go away. 
So since it does take time, there's three things that we need. Um, we need to understand that it's going to take time. Because if we don't understand that it's going to take time, we're going to get discouraged and probably depressed and be tempted to quit. So you need to know ahead of time, heart change is going to take time. It's going to take time, effort, and supernatural empowerment. The second thing we need is we need a commitment to working on it consistently. And again, uh, next week we're going to start talking about what you can do on a practical level to uh, speed up the process of heart change or to participate in the process of heart change. Uh, so I'm kind of being vague about this, but we need to commit to working on it consistently. The sooner you start consistently working on it, the sooner heart change will happen. So we need understanding that it's going to take time. We need commitment to working on it consistently. And number three, we need commitment to resisting it in the meantime until it's changed. If I have bad desires and emotions, I should be patient about it. I should be working on them, renewing my mind with God's word and praying uh, for supernatural empowerment. But I need to be committed to resisting them in the meantime until it's changed. Because it won't happen right away. Uh, so in conclusion, um, we have to develop... If you want to be effective at leading your heart, which all Christians are called to do, you, you have to develop the habit of resisting bad desires and emotions. You have to be patient and realize that heart change takes time. You have to have hope that it will happen. You can't let yourself get discouraged and stop believing that heart change is possible. But you have to be patient about it. And you have to be able... You have to develop the habit of resisting bad desires and emotions. If we don't make attempts to resist them, they'll probably get worse. We'll just be strengthening them and reaffirming them. And if we don't make attempts to resist them, we'll make bad decisions. Um, so before we close, I do want to give a bit of a teaser for, um, well, two weeks from now, for next time I speak. Um, habit four we're finally going to start talking about practically what you can do to have long-lasting real heart change. We're going to talk about regularly, intentionally, and strategically seeking to rewire your mind. So, something to think about. But, you know, part six of the series, we're finally going to start talking about what to do to experience heart change. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for this day, Lord. Thank you for your word, for the hope it gives us, Lord. Thank you that we have hope of sanctification, that even though it takes time, we can be patient about it and know that you are working and you are here for us and here to empower us and that you are praying for us and overseeing us from your sovereign throne, Lord. We thank you that you give us empowerment to resist, Lord, to resist bad or unhelpful desires and emotions. We thank you for the empowerment that you promise us and give us by your spirit daily. We pray that you would help us to be patient about heart change and to not give up and not be discouraged, but to keep seeking heart change and to seek it intentionally and strategically. We thank you for your grace and amen.